Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Amen. All right, well, we are in part three of a sermon series called Cross. That's right, called Cross Walk. And the inspiration of the series came when I was watching uh, online. I saw this image of a Shibuya crossing in Japan, and it was a crosswalk that was in the shape of a cross. And I remember looking at this image and God just impressing on my heart, JJ, in the same way that that cross makes a cross walk, my sacrifice on the cross made a cross walk for humanity. My sacrifice made a way for people to get from one end to the other, to get from death to life, from brokenness to restoration, from hopelessness to hope. And in the same way, my sacrifice made a way for people to get across. The offering that the church brings on December 5th is going to become a cross walk that's going to help people get across from where they were to where God wants them. And in the spirit of the theme of walking, we've been examining five of the greatest walks ever recorded in the Bible. In week one, we examined the walk of Jesus, the Jesus walk, which is more about pace. It was about walk and don't run because Jesus in his entire life, even though he had deadlines to hit and people to produce and books of the Bible to get out there, he never once ran. He always walked. So we said, live a life where you walk and don't run. Last week, we talked about big, crazy faith. We learned about how to wow, how to W-O-W, walk on water, how to live life in a way that goes beyond our wildest imaginations to believe that Jesus can do impossible things in scenarios that look impossible. He can do that. Today, we're going to talk about the third walk. And I got to give you some kind of historical, cultural context for those who don't maybe come to church with any background of the Bible. Uh, There are people in the Bible called the Israelites, and they have been spending 400 years in slavery in the country of Egypt. And now God is going to finally deliver them. And when he delivers them, he delivers them with the walk. The Bible says they walk up to the Red Sea, which is a huge body of water. And that Red Sea splits in half. And the Bible says that they walk. Don't run. I don't know about you, but if, if the Red Sea is up and, and there's no timer going on, I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. I'm running. But no, no, they walked through the Red Sea. They didn't run through it. They walked. After they got out of the Red Sea, the Bible then says they walked in a desert for 40 years And they get real upset about that. And I blame Moses though. It's Moses' fault. He was the one that led them out because he told them about the promise, but he didn't tell them about the process. And every promise is connected to a process. Can't have one without the other. Moses didn't really tell them that. So of course, they get upset because their expectations are here. So they go for 40 years walking in the desert before they can get to what Moses referred to as the promised land. You can substitute the promised land for whatever the promise is that you're waiting on God for in your life. But the moment they get to the promised land, finally, 40 years are up, they get to the promised land. And here it is in Joshua chapter six. This is the first city in the promised land. Now Jericho was securely shut up, securely shut up. Because of the children of Israel, no one went in, none came out. The walls were 46 feet high, just FYI, and there was actually two walls. There was an outer wall and there was an inner wall. They were both very secure, archers on the top. It was a big deal. And with all of this security, look at what verse 2 says. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. God is funny. 
because I'm looking at the building and I'm saying there's no way. In fact, the author is trying to create irony to get across his point. It was securely shut up. And so a situation that we look as securely closed, here's what God says. See, I have given you the city. In other words, where we see a wall, God sees a way. Where Moses saw a red sea, God saw a green light. Where you see impossible, God sees more than possible. Where you see improbable, God sees inevitable. Inevitable. The city was securely shut up. I wonder if there's anything in your life you feel is securely shut up. If that's you, let me bring the word of God to you today on behalf of God. See, I have given you the city of Jericho. I've given it to you. How are you going to give it to us, God? Tell me how. Tell me how. I'll tell you how. Verse 3. You shall... Are you serious? What do you think I've been doing for the last 40 years? For the last 40 years, walking is all I've done. And now I get to the promise. I'm ready to start taking. I'm ready to start receiving. I'm ready to start claiming. And now what you want me to do is keep walking. Okay, God. You shall walk around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. But on the seventh day, we will take the land. No, but on the seventh day, you shall walk (laughs) around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow their trumpet. I'm pretty sure that's how it sounded. (laughs) And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. I'm just trying to bring you into the story. I'm going to need your help. And then the wall of the, then the building will be there. I'm sorry. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Spoiler alert. The city falls, the walls fall. They end up taking over the land. But I don't want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about how they got that. In other words, uh, you know, in the first week, we learned walk, don't run. In the second week, we learned how to wow. Today, I want to discover, develop, and deploy. Here's the title of my message. The faith to walk in circles. I wonder if there's anybody at church today who feels like their life is going in a circle. Yeah, I think I've been your pastor long enough that you should know something about me. I think I've been your pastor long enough that it's time that I reveal my criminal history to you. Yep, Vicky, you don't know this, I need my sister, but I uh, had a run-in with the law, and, uh, and I just think if you're gonna follow somebody, you should know everything that they've been through. And so when it happened, I was nine, got in the game at a very young age, very young age. I'll tell you exactly what happened. Uh, I was at school, and across from my school, PS69, for those in New York, you know our school's got numbers, we haven't got names, but. Across was the playground. And so I was just going to put play. I'll just put ground because that makes no sense, but <laughs> playground. And I remember, you know, and then there was a, a crosswalk here. Crosswalk. That took you from the school to the playground. The only problem was when you left school, the exit of your school was down here. And, and then the playground entrance was over here. So every day you'd have to go, that just doesn't make no sense to me. 
So one day I was like, I just walked across. This, this makes more sense. But unfortunately, there was a policeman. That's why it's blue, because policeman. If you have to explain the joke, it's not funny, I know. But. And the policeman said, hey, what are you doing? I stopped the playground. He said, don't you know you're breaking the law? I said, I don't know, I'll break the law, nine. <laughs> he said, that's called jaywalking. I almost called this sermon the joy of jaywalking. Because <laughs> of Jericho, starts with a J. But I thought that this one made more sense. So he said, and if you do that again, you're going to get fined. I'm like, I'm nine. <laughs> I don't understand how I'm going to pay this fine. With my toys? We're going to pay with my toys? <laughs> you want a slice pop? How do you want me to pay for this? <laughs> I remember Slice Pops? No. I don't know. It just didn't make sense to me that I had to go all the way up here just because it's the right way. This is the faster way. This is the short way. This way doesn't make sense. I tell all of our preaching students, right, Pastor James, I say when you start a sermon, the first thing you got to do when you start a sermon is you got to establish the problem so that people in the audience know this sermon is for me. If you don't establish the problem early on, then they'll never know that the sermon is for you. So I don't know if this sermon is for you or not, but let me go ahead and establish the problem. I went this way because this way didn't make sense. Here's the problem. Sometimes God's way doesn't make sense. Is this sermon for anybody? today. I wonder if God has sent you somewhere, some way that doesn't make sense. And if he hasn't, you just haven't been following God long enough. Yeah. You follow God long enough and one day you will read something in the Bible that doesn't make sense. You will find yourself in a situation in life, even though you've done everything right, that doesn't make sense. You will be single, but you know you're fine. And it just doesn't <laughs> Like, I'm fine, and I play an instrument. It doesn't make, and I got coin. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And, and, uh, but, but here's what I have learned. You, you, you follow God long enough, and the things that get you frustrated about him in the beginning leave you in awe of him at the end. Oh, yeah, I promise. Like, the walls falling down by walking doesn't make sense. But then when they do fall down, that also doesn't make sense, but it's a different kind of doesn't make sense. The first kind of doesn't make sense is like, God, really? The second kind of doesn't make sense is like, God, really? You did that? It's like when, when a giant came into the camp of Israel and he was a big giant, nine feet tall. Nine feet tall giant doesn't make sense. That's the problem. Here comes the solution. A little kid with a sling and a stone. That doesn't make sense. But then the kid wins. And you go, ooh, that doesn't make sense. Because sometimes in life, you will experience a victory that doesn't make sense. The problem was bigger than your resources. Have you ever looked back at some of the victories you had in your life that you were victorious in, but like from a third person objective perspective with the resources you had, there should have been no way? For, am I preaching to myself? I don't know if you've ever been there. With the resources you had, the size of the problem and the size of your resources, you go, that's no sense. With the money that I had, that should not have happened. With the mom that I had, that should not have happened. With the skin color that I had, that should not have happened. How is it possible that a, that a Puerto Rican in his 30s started a church in the whitest city in Orlando? That makes no sense. I didn't have the resources. But sometimes you'll experience a victory in God that you look back on years later, you go, how in the world... 
Did that make sense? It didn't make sense when God sent Jonah to go preach to Nineveh, which is a city full of sinners who actually killed people in his family. But you know what else doesn't make sense about God? His mercy. I wonder if there's anybody right now who's living in a mercy that don't make sense. When you look at your life and all the choices that you made and all the bad decisions that you had and all the relationships that you got rescued you from, and you look at you now sitting in church with your man looking all blessed. How in the world? How in the world did God... His mercy don't make sense. If there's a sinner at church today who should be in the grave for the decisions and the choices that they made, but somehow you still got breath in your lungs, and somehow you, you got a relationship with God, it doesn't make sense because God's mercy doesn't make sense. Jesus was in the, in the grave. It doesn't make sense that Jesus would die. He was a perfect human being, but he died. How in the world does a perfect person die for other people's mistakes? That doesn't make sense. But three days later, when the sins of the world were eradicated on a Sunday Easter morning, it made sense. Are you ready for the takeaway? It never makes sense in the beginning, but God always makes sense in the end. It never makes sense in the beginning. We, can, we might as well just add the middle there too. It doesn't make sense in the beginning or in the middle, but you serve God long enough and you will see it make sense in the end. So the problem is not that it doesn't make sense. The problem is that when God doesn't make sense, we try to do what we think makes more sense. AKA, we do it our way. And that's the real problem. Not that God doesn't make sense, but that we try and make sense of it when it doesn't make sense. And our way is not a go way. Because God's got a plan. We got to follow that plan. Like, for example, <laughs> this is why you shouldn't bring your little kids to church sometimes. Got to talk about stuff. A lot of people want to have sex. Sex is great. <laughs> Mommy's like, I don't know if I should say amen or what or... <laughs> I'm not sure what kind of church this is. Hey, well, listen, well, God's got a plan for sex. You know what his way is? Marriage. But marriage? Ooh. Come on, that's a, that's a long way. First, you got to find the person. Then you got to date the person. Then you got to raise enough money for the ring. Then you got to sign the prenup. It's a long way. Especially when we at the club. It's easy to do that way. Just come on, we gotta do that. It's faster this way. Wealth. Wealth is one of those things we all want. That's cool. And you could probably work 60, 70, some of us 80 hours a week to get wealth. But God has a way of living your life called balance. You might not want to go balance because why would you want to retire at a million, as a millionaire at 60, saving up money in your retirement account when you can just work really hard now and follow all the get rich quick schemes and just get rich? But, but you, here's what you have to understand. This might seem like the better way, but the crosswalk provides something that the shortcut doesn't. Safety. You will find safety, provision, and protection when you go God's way. But when you go your own way, you forfeit it all. So having sex before marriage sounds good with multiple partners, but all the sociological studies, non-Christian, all the sociological non-Christian studies shows that the overall life satisfaction of people who have multiple sexual partners before marriage is unsatisfied. And then when they actually do get married, the chances of that marriage ending up in divorce are great. Not to put condemnation or guilt or hopelessness on anybody. God can turn any life around. These are just the facts. Wealth, that might seem good, 70 to 80 hours, go ahead and build your wealth real fast, but that's going to come at the cost of your health, 
of your family, your friends, your relationships, and your children. So, so you can go your way, your own way and go fast, but that's going to hurt you. If you go the long way, though, if you go God's way, here's what the Bible says, it Proverbs 14, 12. Don't go your way. Look at what the Bible says. There is a way that seems right to a person, but in the end, it's the way to death. In other, way, in other words, our way makes sense, but it leads to death in the end. God's way never makes sense, but in the end, it leads to life. That's a good time to praise God right there. It doesn't make sense in the beginning, but it, and so you got to do, you got to go, you got to do this, even if it doesn't make sense. Are you willing to do it? Every day you leave school, go, are you willing to, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it doesn't make sense, are you seeing this? Even when it doesn't make sense, that's called a circle. And you know the thing about a circle, why it's different than a square? And why it's different than a triangle? Sorry about that, whatever that is. <laughs> you know the difference between a circle is a square and a triangle? A square has four points. A triangle has three points. A circle has no point. I wonder if you're in a season of life that has no point. Like you're in it and you just can't even figure out why you're in it because you can't see the end. It doesn't make sense. There's no point because you keep doing the same thing and nothing is happening and nothing is changing. If that's you, let me encourage you. That was Joshua and that was the Israelites. Chapter six, verse eight through 14. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people, he had the ark of the, of the Lord. What the city? Circle the city going around at once. They came into the camp and lodged in the camp and then they went home. And the second day, they walked the circle around the city once and returned to the camp. They did it for six days. For six days, they got up, did a circle, nothing happened, went home, got up, did a circle, nothing happened, went home, got up. Can you imagine the conversations these soldiers are having with their wives? You leave at 7 a.m., you come back at 7.45? Baby, what happened? Well, uh, we went out. And we thought we were going to take it. And we did a circle. And then what? Nothing. Uh, Joshua said, be quiet. And then he sent us home. But I'm sure tomorrow's going to be the day. Tomorrow's going to be awesome. We'll go get that land tomorrow. Okay, go, let's do it. Come back home today too? <laughs> Was this the day you took the land? How'd it go? Well, uh, we got up there and we were real excited. And Joshua had us line up, and we did a circle. And then what? Nothing. We came back home, ready for lunch. I don't know how long this is going to last, but we're just going to keep doing circles and circles. We hate circles. How many people hate circles? Yeah, because you live in them, right? Like you come to church, you get saved, give your life to Jesus, then you go to church, then you get on a team, then you join a small group. And then you sin so bad that it makes you feel like you got to get saved again, even though you don't. <laughs> and then you come to church and the pastor preaches a message about forgiveness. You're like, hey, man, I don't know why I can't. I'm just going to go back to church. I'm going to go back to my team and I'm going to come back to my soul. And then you sin again. And then you're like, I got saved 18 times before turning 18. You know, like, see, I've been saved like 20 times, some of y'all. Or, or, you know, you, you're, you're, you're a couple, you get in a couple and, and you, you start fighting with your spouse. You fight. It's okay, you can't see it. It says fight. <laughs> then you go to counseling and then they give you tools and the tools help you. And it's so great you go on vacation and things are better. But while on vacation, 
You get in another fight that sends you back to counseling, that sends you more tools, that sends you on more vacations, that has you in more fights. You know why we don't like circles? Because when we think circles, we feel cycles. And some of us are caught in cycles. Cycles of addiction, cycles of depression, cycles of relationship abuse, the people we keep picking to date, keep abusing us. But I didn't say that God wants you to have the faith to stay in your cycle. I said that God wants to have you the faith to walk in your circle. And a circle is different than a cycle. Yeah, here's the good news. God hates cycles. Here's the bad news. God loves circles. In fact, circles are his favorite shape. I know it. You know how I know it? Because when he said, let there be light, out came a circle. Bright as the sun. And then when he created the planets, out came circles. And then there was earth and there was Mars and a bunch of circles. And then those planets begin to move around the sun in a circle. And then to govern the night, he created the moon that began to move around the earth in a And then when he inhabited the earth with people and animals and fish and birds, all of who at the smallest biological level is created by a human cell, which happens to be in the shape of a God loves circles. He loves circles. But you know why I really know God loves circles? Because of the story of Jericho. Because there is not one verse about the battle. Like if we were, if we were going to write a movie about this, imagine for a second, you are the director of the next Christian movie that comes out called Jericho. Okay? And, and in this movie, you got to pick one scene to give all your budget to. What, what are you going to do? The fight scene, right? Because in every movie, whether it's Avengers or Lord of the Rings or whatever, the biggest scene of the movie, the climax is always the battle. Did you know in the story of Jericho, there's not one verse that describes the battle? The battle is just a given. Like the victory is just a given. And even the walls falling, only one and a half verses on the walls falling. So the climax of the story isn't even the falling. And the climax of the story isn't even the battle because the whole, the only thing the director is focused on when telling this story is the walking. As if the walking was the most exciting part of the movie. What if the most boring part of your movie is the most exciting part of God's? Like I thought about for a second, imagine if this is a movie and the angels are watching this movie, Jericho, right? And when do they take the popcorn out and when do they put the popcorn away? I'm weird, like I think in like those types of... So here's my deal. I think they put the popcorn away when the, when the fight started. Why? Because in, in all the history of them being angels, they've never saw God lose a battle. So when the fight started, they said, I've seen that episode already. I've seen it. There is never a battle God does not win. So here's the deal. When the battle started, they're like, put away the popcorn, guys. We've seen this one in Egypt. We saw this one with Abraham. We saw this one in the beginning of we saw this one in the beginning of time when Lucifer grabbed a third of the angels in heaven. We saw how this one ended already. Put, put the popcorn away, y'all. Remember, God, the battle started. <laughs> Here's when they pulled the popcorn out. Day one of the walk. Why? Because God's victory is guaranteed. Our obedience is not. 
So, so the climax for heaven, the climax of heaven is not will or won't God win. It's will or won't man follow. And the most exciting part about the story, the angels have got the popcorn and they're like, they won. This is the part where he tells them all they're going to do is walk. Gabriel, shut up. I know you're the messenger, but be quiet. I want to see what happens. I want to see what happens. Oh, look, he, he, he's putting on the, sh the, the shield and the shoes. And they're walking. They're walking. They're walking. Wait till they see what happens when nothing happens. What? I'm telling you, one of them's going to lose it. One of them's going to lose it. Go ahead, Joshua. Tell them to go home now. Wow, they did it. Guys, the angels, they did it. Can you believe it? The faith. See, faith is what heaven is looking for. Faith. Wow. And then, and then that was episode one. But then the angels gather all again because tomorrow's episode two. They got up one day. Let's see if they'll do it another day. Okay, he did it again. He just walked and went on. Day three, day four, episode five, episode six. I bet on episode seven, there was like a bet going on. That's heresy. I don't know that angels bet. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I, there was at least a conversation. Like, I, I, I bet one of them was like, hey, I bet you like one third of them just bounce. I bet you one third of them just go back across the Jordan River, back to the like, I don't know. Oh my gosh, all of them walk. Wow, they followed God the whole way? Wow, can you believe the obedience of me? All right, now put away the popcorn because you know what God's going to do. Hear me? The fight is never the fight. The, the challenge in life is not finding the strength to win the fight against the enemy. It's finding the courage to follow God's word in face of the enemy. Following, I would want, what was the hardest part of your victory? The victory or trusting God for the victory that whole time? It was not the fighting. It was the walking. God hates cycles, but he loves circles. He's the cycle breaker and the circle maker. Here's how I wrote it. God is going to use the circle to break the cycle. Yeah. So you got to, so you got to, you got to cycle in your life of alcoholism, but, but now you just got a, you just got a kid and you just say, you know, father, I, I know that this alcohol battle with alcohol, including me has been in my life for generations. But the Bible says, me and my house shall serve the Lord. And so even though I didn't experience it, and even though they didn't experience it, and even though it makes no sense to believe like this, I believe that this wall is going to fall in Jesus' name, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it goes against everything that ever happened in my life. And, and, and Lord, I'm, I'm real afraid right now. I've lost my job and, and, and my, my relationships are coming to an end. And the world just looks like it's going crazy. But Psalms 27 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. In whom shall I fear? I'm going to go ahead and make a circle around God's promises. I'm going to trust you in the darkest. And I know I've been coming to church for a while 
while now and I'm still struggling with the same sins and I don't know if this will ever get out of me, but I think I'm at the point now, God, where I'm not worshiping you for what you will do. I'm worshiping you for what you have done in my life. You are good, God. I'll put you at the center of my life. I worship you and I just keep on walking. God told me to tell you today, I know it feels like walking is a waste of time, but your walking is a weapon against the enemy to tear down the walls that have been plaguing your life forever. And when you walk, even when it doesn't make sense, listen, I know you heard worship is a weapon, but walking is a weapon that worships. Because if I'm walking for something, it's because I want it for me. But when I'm walking just because God said walk, that's worship. Just because you said so, God, I'm gonna keep on believing. Just because you said so, I'm not gonna let go of that dream for full-time ministry because you said so. Just because you said so, I'm not letting go of those kids. I believe that they are mine. Just because you said so, I'm gonna keep on walking. 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 Every head bowed, every eye closed. There's someone in your life, there's something in your life that has been a stronghold. God is telling us today, I'm ready to bring the walls down if you're ready to walk. Someone says, well, I've been walking for years. Okay. Will you keep walking? Will you keep walking? Will you keep walking? Will you keep walking? For someone in this building today, the reason why you're in a cycle, keep your head bowed down, I'm just encourage you. For those of you who are in a cycle today, it's because you are at the center of your life. You know what the difference between a cycle and a circle is? Whoever's at the center. If you are at the center of your life, you're stuck in a cycle. If God is at the center of your life, you're walking a circle. So for those who have put themselves at the center of their life, I want to give you an opportunity to replace you with Jesus today. It's time to make Jesus the center of your life and watch what a circle can do. All over this building, you are far from God. And today you want to come back home to Jesus. When I say three, I want you to raise your hand high as a signal and sign of the Lord. Jesus, I need you in my life more than anything. I'm ready to get out of this cycle and step into your circle. On three, if that's you, when I say three, nobody will look, so it's really between you and the Lord. If you feel this, I need Jesus in my heart. On three, I want you to raise your hand high all over this building. One, two, raise your hand now. Three, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Oh my God, what a beautiful, beautiful picture. So many hands coming back home to God. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Amen. Go to put your hand down. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer. And even if you didn't, I want you to support the person who did by praying this prayer with them as well. Let's all pray. Father God, Father God, today, today, I step out of the cycle. I step out of the Come on, cycle. let's say it with authority. I step out of the cycle. I step out of the cycle and into the circle. Into the circle. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care where I go. I don't care where I go. If it's your way, if it's your way, I'm going your way. I'm going your way. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my sins. I repent. I repent. I turn away, I turn away from my old life, from my old life and towards you, Jesus. Towards you, Jesus. My new life. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Give it up for the, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 people. Come on. As you're clapping, stand on your feet as we close today. The first person I wanted to pray for was that person who's stepping out of the cycle and into the circle. Now I need to speak to my believers, my Christian believers who have been serving God and it feels like nothing is changing and nothing is changing. I want to give you a word today. Hear me. Keep walking. Your, your walk is more about what you get out of it 
It's about submitting and surrendering to God. It's worship. Please catch it. It's worship. God will win. You will win. That is not the question. The question is, will you keep walking? Will you keep walking? Will you keep walking? If that's you and you're committed to keep walking today, let's lift up our hands like that sign of universal surrender to God if you feel comfortable. And let's begin to worship Lord right now. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.